MSW Media. Big shout out today to Helix Sleep. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Find your perfect mattress and up to $200 off all mattress orders plus two free pillows at helixsleep.com slash daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, January 30th, 2023. Today, John Eastman has been referred for disbarment. The January 6th rioter who sprayed Officer Brian Sicknick with pepper spray is sentenced to 80 months in prison. The Supreme Court did not disclose a financial relationship with an expert brought in to review the leak investigation. The Department of Justice has asked the FEC to stand down while they investigate George Santos. And Biden's approval rating is unchanged after classified documents were found at his home and office. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you, my dear friend. How did you have a nice weekend? I did. It was a lot of travel. I think I traveled for like 20 hours straight oh, yesterday. So I'm, I'm a little uh, not right in the head today. So it should be an interesting day <laughs> for the news. Because <laughs> I had to take a train from D.C. to New York, which took oh, three hours. And yep. then I had to take a cab from the train station to JFK, which was an hour and a half. And then my flight was delayed for a couple hours. And then that is a six hour flight. I ended up getting home in the middle of the night and I'm like, hmm, it's three in the morning. Oh boy, that'll do, do it. Do I stay up or do I try to get a nap? I don't know. It was, it was a lot of travel. Never again. I hope you chose nap. Always choose nap. If there's an option to nap, always choose nap. I chose nap. The, na- the forces of nap were strong with me. So I, I took, I took the Good. nap, but still a little discombobulated after all the weird travel. So here we are. Also, I get it. This is awesome. Uh, Julian Cater, who was the January 6th rider who sprayed Officer Brian Sicknick with pepper spray, which I believe eventually led to his death, even though the coroner determined it was natural causes, but it had to have been a factor. And all of the Capitol Police, there was like a whole contingent contingency of Capitol Police there to give statements along with the family, the Sicknick family at the sentencing hearing. The Department of Justice wanted 90 months and the judge passed a sentence of 80 months for Julian Cater. And the the reason that he brought it down from 90 to 80 was the deplorable conditions in the D.C. jail. That was the oh, wow. That was the reasoning there. So he will be serving 80 months in prison and um I, I'm not sure when he reports, but that is one of the longer sentences that we've seen in the January 6th Capitol attack. So that's the sentence that was passed down. I still think it should have been more. I think there should have been more investigation into how directly or indirectly him spraying Brian Sicknick contributed to his death. But that's yeah. that is the sentence we got. Those are the charges we got. And it was pretty close to what the Department of Justice asked for ultimately. All right. With that in mind, we do have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. This is from Stanley Becker, O'Connor and Brown at The Washington Post. The Justice Department has asked the Federal Election Commission, the FEC, to hold off on any enforcement action against George Santos, the Republican congressman from New York who lied about everything ever as prosecutors conduct a parallel criminal investigation. That's according to two people familiar with the request that the DOJ you know, was like, hey, back off a second, FEC. 
This request, which came from the Justice Department's Public Integrity Section, that's the pin. That's where Jack Smith used to work, by the way. This is the clearest sign yet that federal prosecutors are investigating Santos's campaign finances. The request also asks the FEC provide any relevant documents they have to the Justice Department, according to knowledgeable people who spoke on the condition of anonymity because the matter is sensitive. A Justice Department spokeswoman declined to comment. An FEC spokeswoman said the regulator, quote, cannot comment on enforcement and neither Santos nor his attorney has responded to requests for comment. The 34-year-old congressman, we think, (laughs) whose election to Congress (laughs) from from Long Island was among the gains in New York that helped the GOP secure its narrow House majority. He's apologized for what he called resume embellishment while rebuffing calls for his resignation. Separately, the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, a different EC, on Friday interviewed two people about Santos's role in Harbor City Capital. That's that investment firm that was forced to shut down in 2021 after the SEC accused it of operating a Ponzi scheme. SEC interest in those people came after they were quoted Wednesday in the Washington Post describing how Santos solicited an investment in Harbor City at an Italian restaurant in Queens in late 2020. The FEC ordinarily complies with DOJ requests to back off on enforcement. Those requests arise from a 1977 Memo of Understanding, MOU, between the agencies that addresses their overlapping law enforcement responsibilities. Quote, basically, they don't want two sets of investigators tripping over each other. That is a quote from David M. Mason, a former FEC commissioner. He might know a thing or two. He also went on to say, and they don't want anything that the FEC, which is a civil agency, does to potentially complicate their criminal case, unquote. The request indicates there's an active criminal investigation examining issues that overlap with complaints against Santos before the FEC. That's according to Brett Kappel, a campaign finance lawyer at the D.C.-based Harmon, Curran, Spielberg, and Eisenberg. Now, those complaints include one filed earlier this month from the Campaign Legal Center that we talked about, direct particular attention to more than $700,000 Santos claims to have loaned his 2022 campaign. CLC's complaint alleged that Santos masked the source of that funding while also misrepresenting campaign spending and using campaign resources to cover personal expenses. That was all that $199.99 bullshit that was oh, yeah. <laughs> written everywhere. And under federal campaign finance law, it's illegal to donate money using a false name or the name of someone else. Quote, it's called a contribution in the name of another, says Saurav Ghosh. That's the director for federal campaign finance reform at the CLC. Quote, it's something that's explicitly prohibited under federal law. These questionable donations, which account for more than $30,000 of the $338,000 the Santos campaign raised from individual donors in 2020, have not been previously cited in media reports. Mother Jones identified them by contacting or trying to contact dozens of the most generous donors, which he uh, ended up losing by 12 points. Now, the way to interpret this, Dana, and this is just my opinion, is that the Department of Justice wants the FEC to stand down for the very same reason the Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis doesn't want the special purpose grand jury report to be released before she indicts. Ah. An FEC civil action could reveal to George Santos what they're investigating, which would give him a head start on on developing his defense and for people to get their stories straight. It could also complicate the matter by trying the case in the court of public opinion ahead of an actual trial. And this is longstanding policy. You do not want media, a heavy media coverage of your criminal case before you go to trial because it could taint the jury pool, make a conviction difficult. It could also jeopardize the rights of the defendant 
making it tough to hold a conviction by DOJ on appeal. And oftentimes, the DOJ is instructed not to bring a case if it doesn't think it can not only win it, but hold it and maintain the conviction on appeal. I am 100% for the FEC backing down since their actions are pretty toothless, especially with the balance of power having kneecapped their authority, much to the chagrin of Democrats on the panel, including Jane Weintraub, for example. So that's kind of what's going on in this particular case. I think we're going to see an indictment of George Santos out of the Department of Justice. We will see. I would love to see it. I mean, the way we're talking about these stories, it seems like all this stuff has been known, like all of these like laws and things that he's been doing that are sketchy as fuck. And it makes me feel like that the Republicans went to him and said, listen, we know that you're already a guy with no scruples. We've got a deal for you. It's what it feels <laughs> like, but who knows on that? All right. The Supreme Court, speaking of no scruples, the Supreme Court did not disclose its longstanding financial ties with former Homeland Security Secretary Michael Chertoff, even as it touted him as an expert who independently validated its investigation into who leaked the draft opinion of Roe v. Wade. Now, the court's inquiry released last week with Chertoff's endorsement failed to identify who was responsible for the unprecedented leak. The decision to keep the relationship with Chertoff quiet is a reflection of a pattern of opacity at the nation's highest court whose ruling affect everyday Americans. Now, CNN has learned from sources familiar with the arrangements that the court in recent years has privately contracted with the Chertoff group for the security assessments, some broadly covering justices' safety and some specifically related to COVID-19 protocols at the court itself. The estimated payments at Chertoff's risk assessment firm for consultations that extended over several months and involved a review of the justices' homes reached at least a million dollars, which is really interesting Hmm. to me. Because remember that one of the justices who was threatened was Kavanaugh? I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Yep. So they paid this guy a million dollars to do some consulting for their safety. And then they had this guy come in and say, yep, Curly's report looks, yep, couldn't find it. Yep. Looks real, real good. Now, the exact amount of money paid could not be determined. Supreme Court contracts. What? That's extra fucked up. How do you know not? How do you not know how how much taxpayer money went to Chertoff's (laughs) risk assessment firm? What the fuck? Yep. Supreme Court contracts. Now, they're not covered by federal public disclosure rules. Okay, that's why they elude tracking on public databases. Well, the justices have long cloaked themselves in secrecy to the point of declining to respond to questions about potential conflicts of interest or to reveal information about some court rules and ethics codes or to release timely information about the justices' health and public appearances. That's what the robes are for. Yeah. To cloak the secrets. To cloak the secrets. The court's decision to keep secret the prior arrangements of Chertoff. I think that's how we should read this entire story. (laughs) Whose professional path has intersected over the years with who? Chief Justice John Roberts. Dun, dun, dun. And other court conservatives. As it's used for a seal of approval as to controversy over the leak investigation itself. And back to the normal voice. This is a quote. It's at least a valid question why they went to someone who had a relationship with the court. Can we be sure he's objective? That's part of the reason for disclosures. This is from Sean Moulton. He's a senior policy analyst of the Project on Government Oversight, and that's what he told CNN. When asked about specific churned-off contracts and money estimates, the Supreme Court's public information officer said only that, and I quote, the court as a matter of policy does not discuss security measures. 
Oh, okay. Got it. Court officials previously declined to respond to CNN's questions about money paid to Chertoff. Now, a Chertoff group spokeswoman declined to address questions. Really? Shocking. About the firm's previous financial dealings with the court and why Chertoff did not reveal the prior relationship. She referred questions to the Supreme Court. So we went back to the original place where we don't know where the fuckery is coming from. I got a tweet about this shit. I got this is. Oh, yeah. That's just. Yep. Oh, and no public disclosures necessary for Supreme Court contracts. That's crazy. WT. I'm sorry. I will not use that word. That is ridiculous. There you go. Well done. That's right. We're trying to be better. Absolutely. All right. Next up from Kyle Cheney at Politico. This is a little bit better news. The California bar's top disciplinary official is seeking the disbarment of John Eastman architect of Donald Trump's bid to subvert the 2020 election for what he describes as a strategy unsupported by facts or law to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 presidential election. (laughs) Everybody gets it. Department of Justice, where you at? Okay. Now, you know, I know it takes a long time, but like any day now. Come on, come on. George Cardona, the chief trial counsel for the State Bar of California, contended that Eastman violated rules of professional conduct At least 11 times, 11 times as he pushed fringe legal theories aimed at keeping Trump in power despite his massive loss. Cardona's 35-page filing with the state bar court contends Eastman pushed claims of election fraud or misconduct even though there was no evidence upon which a reasonable attorney would rely to support those claims. (laughs) Quote, nevertheless, nevertheless, from on or about December 9th, 2020 and continuing to at least or on or about January 6th, 2021, Respondent continued to work with Trump and others to promote the idea that the outcome of the election was in question and had been stolen from Trump. In a statement, Eastman attorney Randall Miller said Eastman disputed every aspect of the bar charges against him. Of course, he did. <laughs> dick. Quote, any lawyer engaged to provide his or her legal assessment in a dynamic, consequential and often emotional arena should be deeply troubled by the notion that a licensing authority like the bar can take their license if they don't like the lawyer's advice or find the advocacy distasteful. How about illegal, Randall? What if it's illegal? <laughs> that's uh, that's what uh, Randall's, Randall Miller said in a statement describing Eastman's 2020 work as the evaluation of alternatives available to President Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Dana, I have a problem with my neighbor. So I need to seek counsel about alternatives about what should I do about my neighbor? Should I maybe file a report with the city or do I murder them? Uh, that's a fair. Do you have any? I have. Yeah, I'm not sure what to do. It's a toss up. Do you have any recommendations that may or may not be illegal? Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Eastman has maintained an active role in urging state legislatures to decertify the results of the election and recently signed a document urging House conservatives to deny Kevin McCarthy the speaker's gavel. Eastman has been the subject of numerous investigations since Trump's failed effort to overturn the results. January 6th Select Committee recommended he face criminal charges for his conduct, and a federal judge agreed that he likely entered into a criminal conspiracy with Trump to obstruct Congress. That's the uh, 1512C2 we've been talking about. Federal prosecutors seized Eastman's phone in June because there was evidence of crimes on it. That's what you need (laughs) to seize a phone. They've obtained access to his emails. They got him way before the January 6th committee, by the way, as they pursued a grand jury investigation related to Trump's effort to overturn the election. 
So yeah, if you guys remember all of that stuff, we went back and forth with the committee and the Eastman emails and the Chapman University lawyers and the the crime fraud exception. And Judge Carter said, you have to turn over these eight and then you have to turn over these 30 and then you have to turn over these. It lasted for like nine months trying to get these, pry these emails from Eastman. Department of Justice had them in early spring. All right. A special grand jury in Fulton County has also been (laughs) investigating John Eastman. Lovely. Yes. And uh, Eastman invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination when appearing before the Fulton County Special Purpose Grand Jury. And he did the same before the January 6th Select Committee. And we know, of course, that uh, Jack Smith, which is not mentioned here in the article, is also investigating John Eastman. Thank you so much, A.G. Now, this whole verified certain documents, all of these documents, slightly more Americans think that Biden, the Biden administration is handling the classified documents investigation well. Then badly, with most saying President Biden has tried to cooperate with it. And I would agree. The situation, it's not impacting his ratings. So those have stayed the same. His job approval rating remains unchanged in recent weeks. And he's still about as well liked personally by a majority compared to a year ago, which is good. Context matters too, though. As big numbers of people think it might even be commonplace now for former high-ranking officials to have classified materials at home. More than eight in 10 suspect this generally happens at least sometimes or even a lot. And it appears like it's a lot at this point. I hope that we had something to do with that because I know Andrew McCabe and I have been trying to push this point. Like it is normal for there to be documents like this. And of course, all of the all the MAGA people are. It's not normal to defy subpoenas <laughs> and all of those things to turn over documents. That's what's not normal. So let's just yes. remember that. And w- at this time, President Biden's rating is 40, it's over 44%. It's unchanged at 44%. Now, the public overwhelmingly thinks the Justice Department investigation is warranted for Mr. Biden's document situation, as they have long felt about one for Trump's. Now, both investigations register bipartisan support. And so would one for Pence's situation. And any difference among the three is really, like we said, that the Republican majority backing one for Pence is larger than the one for Trump, which is interesting. But Americans see a difference in how each executive has handled their respective situation. Like we just (laughs) said, while that majority think Mr. Biden is trying to cooperate with the Justice Department, an equally large majority believe Donald Trump is not. Yeah, it's 60. It's 60 to 40, by the way, in both cases, 60 percent say Biden is cooperating, 60 percent say Trump is not. There you go. Now, Biden's administration maintains especially strong backing from their own party on handling this, despite some criticism from Democratic Party leaders. Now, most people report the situation hasn't changed their minds about him, including those Democrats who have long backed him and Republicans who never have. So Biden still has supporting from people where they're like, oh, there is a difference here. There's a difference. Yeah. And and the large picture is that the Biden and Pence documents didn't change anybody's fucking mind about the Trump documents. So that's, that's it. very good. That's really good news for the Justice Department because everyone was like, oh, that means that Jack Smith can't indict Trump now for the documents because of the Biden and Pence stuff, because it'll look political to the public. Public doesn't give a fuck. So yeah. Jack Smith, do your thing. Keep it going. All right. Keep it going, keep it going, keep it going full steam. Too sweet to be sour, too nice to be mean. Oh my God, I've turned into Ari Melber. What's happening? Oh my God, that was amazing. You know what? There's worse people you could turn into. He's adorable. (laughs) I suppose you're right. Thank you. I could be turning into Chuck Todd and have to get... Exactly. Let's go with Ari on this one. Jesus. Whatever. Bite your tongue, woman. Bite your tongue. Ah, la, la. There you go. Actual tongue biting. (laughs) 
All right, everybody, we're going to be back with the listener submitted good news. If you have any good news you want to send to us, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. We'll be right back after this quick break. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. My life has become so much better since I started sleeping on my custom mattress from Helix Sleep. It has changed my life. Everybody sleeps differently. Helix knows this. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. Soft, medium, firm. They have mattresses to help you cool down if you sleep hot. They have a Helix Plus mattress for plus size folks, one for kids. It's amazing. Just go to helixsleep.com slash daily beans. Take their two minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life too. When I took the Helix quiz, I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like a medium firm bed and I sleep on my side. I can't imagine ever using another mattress again. So if you want amazing sleep, go take their quiz. Order the mattress that you're matched with. It comes with a 10-year warranty. It'll show up right at your door, shipped for free. You get to try it out for 100 nights, no risk. And if you don't love it, they'll come and pick it up, give you a refund. They've got over 12,000 five-star reviews. They were awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. With 1 billion hours slept on Helix mattresses and counting, it's time you find out why everyone loves Helix Sleep. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders, plus two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helixsleep, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off your mattress and two free pillows. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, whoopee stories, letters to Santa, letters to the Easter Bunny, shit kids say, shit your parents say, shit you say, shit the Easter shit Bunny said, coworkers it. say, <laughs> shit the Easter Bunny said. Does the Easter Bunny talk? I feel like you might not. I think you just. Bark, 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 bark. There you go. Uh, if you want to send a shout out to a local business, uh, adoptable pet in your area, shout out to a loved one, like our own little personal beans heroes. You can send it in at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up, I'll take the first two here. From Dean, pronouns he and him, Sugar Magnolia wishes you happy Mastiff Monday. Oh, look at that beautiful baby. It's just another Mastiff Monday. Oh, oh. awesome. Thank you, Sugar Magnolia. Blossoms blooming. All right. Next up from MG from Canada, pronouns he and him, love the pod. How do the English cope with ancient place names whose pronunciations have wandered away from the spelling? Oh, thank God you took the first two. They use their secret weapon, nursery rhymes. Oh, here's a mnemonic nursery rhyme used to teach the generations of English school children how to pronounce Gloucester. Dr. Foster went to Gloucester. Okay, Gloucester. In a shower of rain, he stepped in a puddle right up to his middle and never went there again. Okay, but puddle and middle don't rhyme. Okay. Yes. We make the mistake of naming just about every small town here in Canada after some unpronounceable place in the UK. So we feel your pain. All right, Gloucester. Gloucester. Dr. Foster Gloucester. Hope this helps. Keep up the good work. <laughs> Thank you for the nursery rhyme help. I I appreciate it. Oh my goodness. All right. This is from Anthony S. Pronouncing him. Been listening for a year now and love every episode. My wife asked me what made this one special and I explained the format. She replied, quote, so right to the point, get it done. Then everyone gets a happy ending. Hmm. Just what a woman wants. Mm. <laughs> well done, Anthony's <laughs> wife. Well, now she's listening after she laughed like a teenager for 15 minutes. Boom. Yep. For pet tax, we have a picture of a duck that adopted us. Her and her mate waddled into our yard one day, and she walked into the house with no fear. That would have been amazing. 
We think that they're pets that were abandoned and just let go. She's Lilu, Lilu, and he is Dallas from the Fifth Element movie. Ah, multipass. Yeah. And they had a small nest hidden in our yard, apparently. I have raised waterfowl before, so once they are bigger, we will see if the city can help us relocate these little ones to the park. And Dallas is getting fixed. Dallas quit making ducklings. I didn't know you could fix a duck. <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't know you could I mean, fix a duck either. That's... I, I imagine you could fix any animal, but yeah. uh, Look at the I never thought about though. it. They're so cute. Multi-pass. Dallas is like, what the I love- fuck? I'm just doing my job here, spreading my duck seed. <laughs> I love how they just wandered in and, and said multi-pass and you let them in. That's so cool. Oh, man. Ducks are great. All right. Next up from Betsy, pronoun she and her. Good morning, Dana and Allison. My favorite, Senoritas de los Frijoles. Thank you. I love that. <laughs> I heard this morning's beans. And you mentioned that Rump, my name for the former asshole in chief, thought removing documents from their classified folders made them unclassified. I teach, and it's a fairly common misconception of sixth graders that removing a paper from their homework folder makes it non-homework. Magic! (laughs) It's a misconception that we correct early and often, knowing that it's more of a wishful thinking action than a misconception, even at that age. Rump is a child. Here's a precious baby girl cat named Candy who's available for adoption at a shelter near me. I'm allergic, but maybe others in South Jersey are not. Forever. F-U-R-R. Ever. Forever Friends Rescue is a nonprofit no kill cat rescue. FFRescue.org. Look at that baby. beautiful baby. Beautiful indeed. She needs a forever home. She does need a forever home. All right. This one's from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Hi, Beans Queens. I've been listening since the early days and never miss an episode. And I hope this isn't too long winded. I'm a. F- <laughs> I'm a feral employee. <laughs> I'm a feral. I'm a federal employee, and I do logistics for law enforcement, which can be really tough. Might be a feral employee as well, which can be really tough on rough news days. Mm. Sometimes I want to quit and try to get in with the ACLU, but I can't help but feel like I'm needed more where I am. That being said, I wanted to share with you something significant I have coming up. My partner and I both wounded veterans with PTSD. Thank you so much for your service. I just want to add that. I'm Army. He's a former Marine. We've been together for four years, the longest relationship for either of us. He's my best friend and the love of my life. If I have a nightmare, oh my God, if I have a nightmare in the middle of the night, he simply reaches over to hold my hand and sleepily mumbles sweet nothings until we fall back asleep. He never misses kissing me before he leaves for work and makes sure to get one when he gets home. Routinely, he, quote, demands snugs if he has a rough day. He refers to my rescue rabbits as his daughters, and it melts my heart. Jesus, Venonymous, this is already the cutest damn thing I've ever seen. My tough Marine, who looks like Thor, loves musicals, like really loves them. We've had all-out sing-alongs more than once. The one he gets the most amped for is Phantom of the Opera because he's seen it once before at our local theater. So for Christmas, I had the idea to get some tickets, maybe to the Detroit Opera House. Then when I found out they're closing the production, maybe forever, in April, and I panicked because we'd always promised to go see it with each other. On Gambit, I cryptically got his availability for the next few months and brought us rear mezzanine seats at the Majestic on Broadway in New York. Oh, wow. I handmade some physical tickets. A news article explained the closure and placed it in wax-sealed envelope under our tree. Needless to say, he was like a kid with a new puppy. We've been moon-eyed and excited every day since. We're seeing Phantom of the Opera in New York City on Valentine's Day, the day we've always celebrated our anniversary and just couldn't be happier. Wish us luck and please let me know if you have any recommendations for first-timers. 
pictures are the doodles he opened on Christmas. He thought the tickets were real. And for the pet tax, please enjoy our fluffy terrorists. The elder lop is Whirligig, and her bun wife is Poof, the lion head menace. Also included is a photo of me and my Thor in some of our Renaissance fair costumes because we're just giant nerds. Keep up the great work. Love you guys. I already love this couple, first of all. Thank you for sharing. These tickets are amazing. And the fact that you did this is the sweetest damn thing. And those rabbits are huge. Oh my God. Oh my God. You guys, uh, look at this couple though. You guys are so cute. Oh, holy crap. Jesus, you're beautiful. And I say that and then knowing the story of how sweet he is and how lovely you are. And uh, I'm wishing you guys happiness for a lifetime. Okay, do you guys have an Insta? I need to follow this couple on Insta. Oh my God, so fun. What a beautiful, beautiful couple. Thank you for this story. Thank you for this beautiful story. Oh, and by the way, don't don't tell him you called him a former Marine. He's (laughs) once a Marine, always a Marine. (laughs) All right. Anyway, thank you so much. What a cool submission. And thank you for your service. I understand the the PTSD and uh, I'm so, so happy that you found each other and that he calls your your buns, his kids. Oh my God. That's so amazing. Thank you so much for that. So Next up. Sweet. I know like my heart is, I'm, I'm, I know. Pumped. Okay. Next up from Janelle pronounced she and her hello beans, Queens. I have good news. I sent a submission earlier this month about the beautiful cat I was fostering for the holidays. The great news is that the flash has been adopted. Nice. I told everybody about him and my daughter shared his story on social media, but I would like to believe that some awesome Leguminati heard about him on the beans. I truly appreciate having you in my ears and my life. Pet tax times two, Flash, while he still graced our home. And my ridiculous shih tzu, Ollie, tuckered out from chasing snowballs today. Oh, I remember Flash. So sweet. And this pup. Oh, Amazing. I love it. This was what? a really great good news day. Well, I was going to say, what a great group of submissions. Let's see if we can beat it tomorrow. Anyone has anything you want to send in, you can do it at dailybeanspod.com. And click on contact, but everybody's submission is amazing. And thank you. Thank you so much for all of this. And and I mean, I'm just continually blown away by how amazing our listeners are, Dana. I really am. It's such a beautiful family. I'm grateful to be a part of it. Yeah, it's truly one of the coolest things. That's probably the coolest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. So thank you. Thank you for that. All right. We're going to get out of here. Are you with us tomorrow, Dana? Or are you traveling? I am indeed. I'm mm-hmm. with you all week. <gasps> oh, Sweet. Unless something changes or you kick me off the show like you did. You promised people. <laughs> and then, and then, and then you're traveling and you're like, I'll explain no, it. Then. I was like, yeah, I'm sure you'll explain it. I'm going to get set up for some pronunciations here. <laughs> no, and then, and then, uh, and then, no, and then, no, and then. All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts or is that Not today? That... I'm done. No, and then, okay. No, and then. <laughs> All right. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone with you. Go birds. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.